Praise the Lord. Well, good evening, everybody. Amen. Well, grab your Bible tonight and go over with me to, we're going to do Acts chapter 12 tonight. I know what you're thinking. Pastor, we did Acts 10 last week. We're supposed to be in 11. Well, 11 is Peter recapping the same story. So, we're, uh, you know, he was telling his side of it. So, uh, a, a lot of the same things of Cornelius' house and his conversion. And so, we're going to go right into Acts 12. And we're going to read the first 12 verses. And I know that the Lord is going to speak to us. I saw something in this uh, this week that, uh, as I've been studying, that really, honestly, I've never seen before. Now, that doesn't mean it wasn't there. It just means I didn't see it like I saw it. And so some of you tonight, you may say, oh, I, I, I realize that. I hope so. But I'm, I'm so thankful that God can show us things uh, when we need to see them. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible reads like this. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened bread. And so as when uh, he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Now Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the doors were keeping the prison. And now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side, and he raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. And then the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And they said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And so he went out and he followed him, and he did not know uh, what was done by the angel was real, but he thought he was having a vision or a dream. And that when they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord. It says, and then he went out and went down one street, and immediately an angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. And so when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, and there were many gathered together praying. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, your word is inspired, every single word of it. And I'm asking you tonight, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, make it plain, the very things that you want us to say and hear tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, tonight, as I, as I mentioned, I uh, am going to start in Acts 12, not go back to 11 because of the previous repeating of Peter's uh, encounter. But I will mention to you that if you weren't here last week, it was, it was awesome. Acts chapter 10 shows us how the Gentile people, Cornelius, who was of uh, the Italian regiment, his whole house was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because Peter was obedient. But before Peter was obedient, God had to work some issues out of his heart, some preconceived notions. Or last week, we called them prejudices because Peter was of the opinion that the gospel belonged to the Jews and nobody else. 
but uh, God spoke to him through a miraculous trance that he was in where he saw a sheet coming down from heaven with animals at the four corners and he had a radical transformation of heart. Peter, when he preached, he got up and he said, I perceive that God is for anybody who works righteousness and for all nations. So Peter had a transformation. So we concluded last week and we said this, that it's amazing and it's wonderful and it's a great thing for us to realize that even after having deep-seated, embedded thoughts and ideas, that the Holy Spirit can still change us if we allow Him to. Amen? So it's important. But tonight, we're going to see something that we've seen in some previous chapters, and uh, it's going to get better and better and better and better. But tonight, I want to talk to you from the subject, finding purpose in persecution. Finding purpose in persecution. Now, when, uh, when we begin to talk about persecution, it makes us kind of cringe a little bit because nobody wants to be persecuted, right? Nobody wants to be persecuted. But the Bible says multiple times, multiple places, one time in specific in the Sermon of the, of the Mount uh, on, in Matthew 5, Jesus said, blessed are they who are persecuted for my name's sake. And so we, we understand that persecution is a part, according to the gospel, of the Christian life. And so we're going to look at this very closely. And although it's something that makes us uncomfortable, here's what I believe. Theologians back it up. Historians throughout history have solidified this statement that it was the persecution that came to the church in Acts that actually caused the greatest growth. Oh, y'all don't hear me tonight. Let me break it down a little further. When we are comfortable, we don't like to move. I would to God tonight that he would make some of our comfortableness uncomfortable. Amen. But oftentimes it's when we get so comfortable and cozy in our lives that we don't want to move forward. But it was the persecution in the early church that drove them to do what God had told them to do. Why? Because in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that great Pentecostal scripture, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, they liked the Jerusalem part. They even liked the Judea part. But guess what? They got comfortable. And now what we see is throughout the book of Acts, as the church was persecuted, they began to grow. You may not know this, but that is a scriptural principle. Persecution causes growth. You don't believe me? There's a little scripture in the book of Exodus recording the journey of the Israelites out of Egypt. And here's what Pharaoh said in the first couple chapters of Exodus. He said, talking about the children of Israel, he said, the more that I persecute them, the more they become. Oh, come on somebody. So persecution is something that we see all throughout the New Testament. Um, I don't know those of you that are here tonight, if you've never heard of or you've never read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, I would ask you to prayerfully consider getting a copy. Say, Pastor, what is the Fox's Book of Martyrs? The Fox's Book of Martyrs, and by the way, it's Fox, F-O-X-E-S, 
the Fox's Book of Martyrs is a compilation of stories of both biblical and modern day people who have given their lives for the gospel. You know, throughout history, there have been people who, um, we know about the Bible, right? We know that Herod and others and Paul, before his conversion, were very hostile to the church. But even in history, we see people who absolutely hated the gospel. In fact, um, in the gospel, or not in the gospel, but in the, the letter uh, that Peter wrote in First and Second Peter, where Peter says, uh, honor the king, uh, that king that he's talking about there is Nero. And Nero was so opposed to Christians that he would literally uh, capture them. I know this is pretty savage tonight, pretty brutal, but it's historically accurate. Nero would light, he would dip Christians in oil and light them on fire to illuminate his garden at night. I mean, he was a horrible, horrible person. So the Fox's Book of Martyrs is a great resource, and it helps us to, to realize that there are people throughout history who have given their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. Uh, even today, modern-day nations, there are nations today in our day, in our hour, where people, when they are converted to Christianity, it is not taken very well. Many of them ostracized from family, some of them killed, some of them various types of things. It is very, very difficult. I, I think, and I said it last week, but I still feel the same way. Uh, even though America, with all of its problems, is still a pretty good place to live. Amen. Uh, and so I say God bless America, and America bless God. Amen. And we need to keep pushing for righteousness in our nation because I know it's not going to be here forever, but as long as I'm living here, I want it to be okay. Amen. So uh, I'm excited about it. And, uh, but as you look at the Fox's Book of Martyrs, you see that there were people that sacrificed to give their lives for the gospel. In fact, um, uh, Tyndale, who is noted as uh, printing and translating Bibles, gave his life for the gospel. We know Martin Luther gave his life. Many people gave their life in response to sticking up for truth. Now, I don't think that many of us really, really realize that 11 out of the 12 apostles died a martyr's death. 11 out of 12. I want you to think about that. And the only one that escaped a martyr's death was John, and it was not because they didn't try. They actually tried to deep fry him in a vat of oil. And twice, the, the history tells us, he escaped from that level of persecution. And John, who wrote the book of Revelation uh, in about 90 A.D., died an old man escaping persecution. But we see that 11 out of the 12 disciples and our Lord himself, Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ died a martyr's death. You say, well, pastor, he didn't really die a martyr's death. Yes, he did. He chose to lay his life down. He chose to lay his life down. People who've died for the cause of Christ, most of them did not die fighting. They did not die revolting. They laid their lives down. And so tonight, as we look at this, I want you to think about how awesome of a thing it is. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's not really awesome. Now, let me tell you how twisted our mind is, okay? Listen to this. In America, we celebrate those who have served in our nation, and we should. Aren't, aren't you grateful tonight for the men and women who've served our nation? 
Amen. I'm grateful for their price, their sacrifice, all of those things. On Veterans Day, we, we uh, celebrate those who currently served and, or who served and who are now retired. And on Memorial Day, we celebrate those who have given the ultimate sacrifice, right? Those who did not come home. They, they did not come home so that we could have the freedoms that we have. And we celebrate those people. But yet, when it comes to people talking about dying for the gospel and for the, the, the message of Jesus Christ, we oftentimes shrink back and say, well, Lord, I, I don't want to do that. And it doesn't even register in our brain that God would um, uh, ask us to do that or that he might even call our name one day to do that. But let me tell you something. Jesus was very clear when he called his disciples. He said, if anyone follow after me, he says, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow after me. Jesus did not hear me, folks. I believe in prosperity. I believe in the blessing of God. I believe in the peace of God. I believe in all of that. But here's what I believe. I believe we have all that in spite of. In spite of. Because the Bible does also say that in this world we will have trouble. But thank God that as believers we are in the world but we're not of the world. But yet we still have to wrestle with this old world. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say this. Here's what Jesus told his 12 that walked with him, right? You ready for this? He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And Jesus wasn't saying he was homeless. He had a home in Capernaum. Uh, you, the ruins of it are still there. Uh, we know Peter had a house because his mother-in-law was, was in there sick and Jesus went in and healed. But what Jesus was saying was, if you're going to be my disciple, you're not going to have a comfortable life. Jesus was traveling from place to place. And I don't know who I'm talking to in here tonight, but if you've ever traveled for any extensive amount of time, even in America, in the most comfortable of beds, there's no bed like your bed. Now, tr uh, uh, turn that into a third world country. I tell you, people say, well, traveling is so luxurious. It can be, but it's not always. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. Jesus was trying to say, you've got to follow me. You remember when Jesus came and, and, and he told them to follow him, and the one guy said, um, let me first go and bury my father. What did Jesus say? He said, let the dead bury the dead. Jesus, that is so insensitive. Well, obviously, Jesus attended funerals, and he interrupted all of them. He interrupted Lazarus. He interrupted the funeral of the woman at name with her son who was dead. But here's the thing. Jesus wasn't being insensitive. He was recognizing the excuse that following Jesus costs us something. Okay? Following Jesus cost us something. Everybody say that. Following Jesus cost us something. I'm prophesying right now. I believe in our generation, for those of us who are alive today, we will experience what it's like to pay a price for serving Jesus unlike our previous generation. It's going to be harder and harder and harder from this point forward, to be a Christian. So I believe God is drawing a line in the sand, and he's saying, he who's on the Lord's side, 
choose this day whom you're going to serve. When Elijah was on Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal were mocking and, 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 and they were scoffing and they were cutting themselves and, and everything. I, I love what he said. He said, he said, if you're going to serve God, serve him. If you're going to serve Baal, serve him. But choose this day whom you will serve. Tonight I saw something interesting in this passage. Now, I told you before, I'm a pastor who doesn't like it to be quiet. So I want you to talk back to me tonight. In Acts chapter 12, what's the main focus of the story? Anybody? We just read about it. What's the main focus of the story? Huh? Okay, somebody said prayer. Anybody else? Deliverance. Okay. Who would you say is the main character of the story? Not Jesus. That's a, that's a, Jesus is the, the main character in every story. Peter, right? G, okay, so we said Peter is the main person in the story. Okay? Get that. We're celebrating over here Peter's deliverance. But let me tell you what we miss. Our minds take us all the way to Peter's deliverance. And we skip over the first two verses. Notice what it says. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now we have to wrestle with the tension of the text. Here, here's what I want you to see. We don't see just one persecuted person in Acts chapter 12. We actually see two. James was the first apostle, not the first martyr. Stephen was the first recorded martyr. But James was the first recorded uh, apostle, disciple, if you will, in the scripture who was killed. Have you ever prayed? And you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. And it, it's like you see two people with the same scenario, right? You pray, you pray, you pray. And for one person, it works out. And the other person, it looks like it didn't work out. And you say, God, what in the world is going on? I think sometimes when we look at finding the purpose in our persecution, we fail to realize that although two people in this passage have two distinct stories. you got to understand, uh, James, his life was executed by the sword. Peter, can you imagine, the night he was arrested, he probably said in his heart, I guess it's my turn now. I mean, what would you think? What would you think if you watched your brother or you heard about your brother or your sister or your mom, your dad or your comrade or your employee or your employer or somebody you're close to? If you heard that they had been killed and now all of a sudden here, here Peter gets arrested and he's taken to this place and he's getting ready to go. What would you think? Now I'm playing on the tension of the text but I want to teach you a principle tonight from the word of God that I think is important. Here's what I want to tell you starting off. Two people, both of them persecuted. One died, one was delivered. Okay? Two people, one persecuted, one was delivered supernaturally. Here's what I want to tell you. Both of them, everybody say both of them. 
Both of them already knew the possibility of the price that they may have to pay. You see, you can't kill a dead man. Both of them had already came to grips when they followed Christ that I am willing to lay down my life for this. And so they stood in the midst of adversity. James, he died. And a lot of times we rejoice over Peter. But let me tell you something. The Bible said the Lord rejoiced over James because the Scripture said there is a martyr's crown in heaven for those who give their lives for the gospel. And I also want to remind you tonight that let us not think Peter got off the hook because that little book I told you about, the Fox's Book of Martyrs, Peter didn't get it in chapter 12, but he got it some time later. And he ended up hanging upside down on the cross. They tried to crucify him upright, but Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified upright like Jesus, so just flip me upside down. And Peter ended up giving life for his Lord and his Savior. What am I trying to say tonight? Tonight, here's what I'm trying to tell you. We've got to find the purpose in persecution. Now, here's what I want you to know because people get it twisted. There's a difference between persecution and certain types of suffering. Okay? When I speak of persecution, I'm speaking of the attacks and the malicious intent of evil people toward you or towards a group of people based on their faith beliefs, okay? Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying somebody burns your house down because you believe in Jesus. I'm saying somebody fires you from your job because you stood for righteousness. I'm saying that, um, you know, uh, people uh, are, are nasty to you or they threaten you or whatever because of your faith. That is what the Bible calls persecution, right? Now, there is also a level of suffering that comes from persecution. But tonight, I'm not talking about, you know, people or, you know, say they're sick or something like that. And they say, well, I guess the Lord is making me suffer. No, that's, the Scripture doesn't teach that. Sickness does not come from heaven. God can't give you anything because there's none in heaven to give you. Amen. I'm talking about the malicious intent from people. Let me tell you something. Paul suffered persecution. Peter suffered persecution. John the Baptist suffered persecution. And there are others that we can go on and talk about, but greater and our greatest example is Jesus. Jesus suffered persecution, even to the very end. But tonight, we've got to learn how to find our purpose in persecution. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that, that when we are going through persecution, that that God is getting glory out of our lives. Now, that doesn't seem like it in the moment. But here's what the scripture says. He causes all things to work together for our good. To those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, notice this. James is killed. Peter is in prison. And for however reason, he fell asleep. I admire him. I admire him. Listen, I've told y'all this a thousand times. Here's a thousand and one. I am not, hear me, I am not, hear me, I am not afraid to die. I just don't want it to hurt. I don't want to drown. The thought of that terrifies me. I don't want to burn to death. I don't want to be struck by lightning. Let me close my eyes, go to sleep, and wake up with Jesus. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm believing for. 
Okay? I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want it to hurt. Right? I don't want my fingernails all pulled out one by one, tortured to death or anything, but all my eyelashes and, you know, crazy folks out there in the world. I don't want any of that type of stuff. Just get it over with. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You say, why are you saying all that? I'm telling you that for a reason. Are you ready? I'm telling you that for a reason. Peter slept in peace because he knew. You say, Pastor, how did he know? He watched James. He knew about Stephen. The others. Listen, Peter knew that his life was in the master's hands. His life was in the master's hands. See, I think you and I have to realize tonight that when we get saved, I'm not, I'm not talking about this American Christianity saved. I'm talking about Bible saved. We really give our hearts to Jesus. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I believe this with all of my heart. When I got saved, I gave my life to Christ, and I said, Lord, my life is not my own. You purchased me not with corruptible things, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Your life in exchange for my life. Take me and use me, whatever it is that you have for me to do. Listen, folks, when you give your life to Christ, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. This is going to be one of the biggest factors in the last day that determine who's for real for Jesus and who's not for Jesus. Let me tell you. I believe in, this, in, in what they call the separation of church and state. Just not like most people. You know what church and separation of church and state I believe in? I believe the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's when we're going to be separated. And guess what? If you're not right, you're going to get left. And guess what? All those people are going to be scrounging around. Where did everybody go? The rapture has done happened. And there are going to be people who grew up in church, but they weren't for real. They heard the stories. They weren't for real. They were just carnal people. And, uh, you know, they clapped at the right time. They sung the song, but they had never been converted. You say, is that real, Pastor? Oh, yeah. It's called wheat and tares. There will be a separating of the sheep and goats. And, and, and look. When that old Antichrist rolls out, and he says, I got the answer to all the turmoil in the world. Here's this little mark. Here's, I don't know if it's a chip, a credit card, a tattoo, whatever. I don't really know. It doesn't really matter because I don't plan on being here. But the truth is, is that there are going to be people who are going to be willing to take that. I got to eat, Pastor. I got to feed my kids. Listen, here's what I'm trying to say. If you can't live for Jesus right now, you surely won't be able to live for him if you miss the rapture. Don't, don't say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. That's very presumptuous. When the church is taken out of here and the influence of the, the listen, the, the spirit of God's never taken out of the earth. The church is taken out of the earth. The spirit is here even to the end of the age. But the influence of the church is not here during that time. And so, yeah, yeah, the Bible does say there will be some people who are going to get saved during the tribulation, but they're going to get their heads taken off. All right, come on, somebody. I didn't mean to get off on that. We've got to find the purpose of our persecution. The purpose of it is to bring glory to God. 
Listen, when somebody is willing to stand up for what's right when it's not popular, if they're willing to stand up for what's right if it costs them something, if it costs them something, You know, I don't mean to, 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 you know, go down this road, but I think of the football coach who was just all over the news who said, I'm going to exercise my free right to pray. He wasn't trying to gather a congregation of students. He wasn't trying to do anything of that. He wasn't speaking on behalf of a government official or anything like that. He, he was just trying to pray. And you know what? Initially, that cost him something. But guess what? The Lord is righteous. Thank God somebody stood up. So let's understand this. Here's a couple things I want you to see out of this. Number one, the first thing I want you to see, number one, God sees our trials. God sees our trials. We look at, we look at James. We look at Peter. Both of those scenarios are different, okay? Both of those scenarios are different. But what we've got to understand is that no matter what our circumstance is, God sees our struggles. He sees them. He sees the mistreatment. He sees the, the, the things that people do to us. He hears the conversations that we don't hear. He hears all of those things. And we must never think that God turns his face from us in persecution, you say, Pastor, why in the world would you ever say that? I would never do that. Well, you're more spiritual than John the Baptist. Because the scripture records that John found himself in prison. He baptized Jesus in the muddy banks of the Jordan River, saw the heavens open up, heard the voice of the Father audibly, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and visibly watched the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove land on Jesus and anoint him for ministry. We're talking about John, whom, by the way, for all the people who don't think life starts at conception, who leaped in his mother's womb at the salutation of Mary. How can you leap and be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're not a person? Come on, somebody. Some people are so open-minded, their brain is falling out. Let me tell you, that John was arrested out of his little prison cell window. He saw some disciples come and he said, hey, let me send a message to Jesus for me, would you? He said, ask him, it, is he really the one or... Should we look for another? Now, hold on a minute, John. You just saw all of this. You know what? Because discouragement will cause disillusionment. When you're going through the midst of persecution and hard times, especially standing up for righteousness, sometimes you will feel like you are all alone. But I want you to understand something that God never promised us to be delivered from persecution. In fact... The scripture says the opposite. He says, yea, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so they went and they told Jesus. And Jesus came back and told them. He said, you go and tell John. The blind see. The deaf hear. The lepers are cleansed. The dead have been raised back to life. 
and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. See, we cannot feel like God doesn't see our trials. He sees every single one of them. Amen. In our suffering and our persecution, we have promises. He is close. He is near. He gives us the resources that we need. We've got to realize that though the gospel is good news, it is not received well by everybody. Amen. All right, number two, let's hurry quickly. The second thing we need to know is that God hears our prayer. God hears our prayer. He hears the cries of every one of his children. Now, this, this, this story is kind of funny, and I'm hurrying tonight. But this story is kind of funny because here James dies. Peter's in prison. He's there all night. But the scripture is emphatic to say, but the church made constant intercession for him. Now, one thing throughout the years has been funny to me. Because if you follow the story, Peter, in the middle of the night, he's asleep. An angel comes, shoves his finger in his side, wakes him up quietly, loose his chains, walks him to a gate, and the gate opens like the front door of a shopping mall. I mean, he don't even have to touch it. The Bible says it opened with nobody opening it for him. And he walks out. Peter's like, man, I think I'm dreaming, you know. This can't be real. And all of a sudden, the angel leaves. He comes to himself. He finds the house. He knocks on the door. And the little girl comes to the door. The church is in the dead center middle of a prayer meeting. And she goes, you know, Peter opens the door, and I can just see her say, who is it? And she opens the door, and she goes, whoo! And she goes back and says, uh, uh, it's Peter. And they say, no, it can't be Peter. Go read it. That's the response. Maybe it was this angel. What does that mean? Maybe they prayed and asked the angels to help them. I don't know what they did. Peter comes in and fellowships with him. But, Pastor, what are you trying to say? Well, I'd have to think that they prayed for James too, right? I mean, the scripture doesn't say that they prayed for James earnestly all night, but I have to think that they prayed for James. But, but here's the thing. Why did God save Peter, but he didn't save James? Now, that's a trick question. That's a trick question. And I'm about to mess some of y'all up. You ready? When you give your life to Jesus, it's his life and he can do what he wants with it. <laughs> That'll set you free right there. Because let me tell you something. Peter still had some work to do. God had foreordained from the foundation of the earth. That was going to be James's portion. God knew all of those things for his apostles. He knew what they would do. He knew what they would become. He took them from nothing and made them something. And James' blood was spilled for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Peter, God supernaturally busted him out because there were more people that needed to be reached through Peter's ministry. But what we have to understand is that God did indeed hear their prayers. Listen, he heard them, he heard them, and he answered them. First of all, we got to understand uh, we just kind of presuppose reading that passage that they were praying for Peter to be busted out. It doesn't say that. It does not say that at all. Now, I'm the type of person, I like to play the devil's advocate. Anybody else like to do that? I do. 
Now, Peter was known to be rough and tough and deny the Lord and everything. They, they could have been praying for him to just hold out faithful to the end. That might have been while they were surprised that he showed back up. Am I wrong? It's not in the Bible. I'm just using my brain to think about some things here because traditionally all throughout the years I thought, man, they were praying for Peter to be busted loose. And, man, that angel came and busted him loose. And, ooh, hallelujah, he showed up. And it's surprising. It doesn't say that they were praying for him to bust him loose. It just says they were praying. We don't know why they were praying. The Scripture doesn't say. But what we do know is that they prayed and God heard their prayers. Here's number three, hurrying. Not only does God hear our prayers, but number three, God deals with our enemies. He deals with our enemies. When you're persecuted, God deals with our enemies. Doesn't the scripture say, pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you? Now, let me give you two examples really quick, and we're going to go home. All right, all right you ready? How many of you know Paul was persecuting the church formerly under the name of Saul? I can tell you that there was some prayer made over Saul. And guess what happened? I'm sure the church prayed and God had a plan for him and saved him on the street called Straight, called him to be apostle, filled him with the Holy Spirit, and changed his life. God dealt with their enemies. You ready for this one? God also dealt with the enemy of chapter 12 because Herod, we read at the end of the chapter, was eaten alive by worms. When it comes to those who do us wrong, we should wish them no harm, first of all. Vengeance is the Lord's. But here's what we have to understand. In praying for our enemies, God deals with our enemies, and there are one or two scenarios that are going to play itself out. God is either, number one, going to save them, or number two, he's going to judge them. But in the middle of our pain, in the middle of the persecution, God always deals with our enemies. Closing with this thought, if you find yourself being persecuted, the purpose of our persecution is to bring Christ glory through our suffering. Every martyr that ever shed their blood in modern history or in the scripture, they did not do so in vain. None of us think that a soldier in the war, whether it be World War I, II, Vietnam, Gulf, Gulf War, whatever, none of us think that those soldiers, you know, that their death was meaningless. None of us would ever say that. Well, I want you to know something. A soldier in the army of the Lord, when they die and give their blood for the gospel, it is not just spilled on the ground. It is a seed. And God uses that sacrifice to further his purpose. Now, Close your Bible. Stand up on your feet. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Statistically speaking, here in America, we don't live in Pakistan, Iran, or India, or some of the other Malaysia gospel uh, hard nations of the world. We don't live there. So statistically speaking, it is quite improbable that anybody in this room would ever actually be called upon to give your life for the gospel. But, everybody say but. The question is, would you be willing to? Would you be willing to? If Jesus were to ask that of you, would you be willing to? 
There was a little girl in Columbine. I close with this story. Many of you remember the, the famous, infamous Columbine shooting where the young men dressed up in trench coats and literally murdered many, 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 many innocent children. There was this one of the young ladies that was there under her desk, and the gunman came by, and he asked her, do you believe in Jesus? She could have said no. He would have walked on by. But she said, I cannot deny my Lord. And she gave her life for Christ. Let me tell you something. People talking about, I want to see Peter. I want to see Paul, James. I want to give that little girl a hug. Because the bravery that she exhibited is a lot more bravery than some of the things that I've seen exhibited by people through the years who've named the name of Christ. Folks, it's serious. We're in a battle. There's a war out there. This Christianity, this Jesus that we serve is not a game. It's the real deal. And we've got to make sure we are in the army of the Lord.